here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarron. Should we begin with the puking, or should we begin with the topics that will change the face of WWE forever? Jeff Hawkins. We are not here to talk about Curtis Hughes. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Nobody's listening for hockey talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes, episode 122, here coming at the end of WWE TLC 2015, the big main event, Roman Reigns, Sheamus. Uh, Jeff Hawkins is with me, as you can see on YouTube Live right now. Uh, if you don't know what Jeff Hawkins look, lo- looks like and have never joined us on YouTube, <laughs> Put him away! it's pretty scary. And if you listen on the audio podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, wherever at VoicesOfWrestling.com and don't want to know what Jeff looks like due to those scary sounds, avoid the YouTube channel. But wait, hold on. Rob, are you in picture on the on the YouTube channel? Yeah. Okay. More. This is a rare time. So you're wearing pants for once. That's good. Hold on. Let me check. Let me check. (laughs) Um, yes pants are on and a shirt that actually goes all the way down to my waist and not to my uh nipples as usual a la steven richards back in the day big, big on showing your midriff are you oh well what's yeah. happened right now is i didn't realize it for a second that i was rubbing my nipples and now okay. i am i'm going to stop that okay. immediately uh, if you're on the live chat uh, let sorry. us know how the stream is going uh, let us know how the stream is going sound-wise, audio-wise. Hopefully all of the problems we had with the last stream at Hell in the Cell have been corrected. I believe it was Hell in the Cell. might have been Survivor Series. And now I'm on the channel looking at the chat, watching myself play with my nipples. So this is just a comedy of errors and a comedy of, of fun stuff. Uh, you we're blew suppo- it, Rob. You had one job. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We are uh, supposed to be joined by Dylan Hales at Dylan Waco. Uh, booked him several months back. on this very. The last time we had him on our show... We booked him for this TLC event. Uh, <laughs> we have misplaced him. He is somewhere oh. in the Southern Wrestling Abyss. Uh, maybe never to be found again. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe never to be found. Uh, but thanks everyone for joining us on the YouTube stream. Voicesofwrestling.com slash YouTube. You can join us live after every pay-per-view, including next Wednesday. This Wednesday, I should say. This Wednesday. After NXT TakeOver London. 3 p.m. Eastern, the show gets going on WWE Network. We'll be here at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Jeff and I talking TakeOver in London. We'll briefly preview the show a little bit after our Survivor Series talk. And if we can get Dylan on the line at some point, uh, he was supposed to have video, for those wondering. Dylan Hales was supposed to be here, live, via video. And for all those listening on audio, the usual sultry tones of Dylan Waco is going to be joining you to talk all things political hits. And much more. Uh, if we can get Dylan on the show at some point, we're still going to try. But uh, 
yeah, we had to start a little bit late tonight because we couldn't find him. Uh, his Skype, his his computerized materials are going haywire. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I, I've lived in Florida, but that's not really considered the South. Uh, Dylan lives in, I believe, the Tennessee, Georgia area. South so, Carolina, I think. Used to be South Carolina. Maybe in South Carolina. He lives somewhere. Okay. Um, but as far as I may be, we have an incoming call. Should I try huh? to take this? Yes. It might be Dylan. Might be Danny. It might be Danny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's see if this works. Let's see how this goes. Uh, hello? Hello, Rob. It's Dylan. Oh, my God. Dylan's Woo-hoo! here. Um, now let's see what this has done to our uh, stream with Jeff. I'm going to have to change something around here as people watch me do this live. Uh, Dylan, the video wasn't quite working, huh? Your Skype was going a little haywire. Is that correct? No, my, my, my Skype doesn't exist right now. The, <laughs> um, well, it exists, but I cannot access it at all. That's okay. why you don't run a Windows 10 update the day before you're supposed to use Skype for a video chat. <laughs> yeah, I, I would suggest that's why you don't run Windows, period. Um, I think you may be right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what have been my error. So, so what are you wearing? Give us theater of the mind here. No, don't. I'm wearing, a gray sh- I'm, I'm wearing a gray shirt sitting on a beanbag chair in my freshly cleaned living room with my Charlie Brown Christmas tree behind me. Sweet. So, nice. Yes. Rob, draw a picture of that. Put it on the screen. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll do that. I can barely pay attention to what I'm talking about when I have nothing else to focus on. So imagine me for the last five seconds just trying to fix Jeff's video to get the big old Dylan Hale Skype icon to come off of the screen. Uh, and, uh, and Dylan, you missed it, but I was also playing with my nipples tonight. So this is already a killer show. That's arousing. This is, it was, uh, well... And maybe in keeping with the theme of the uh, TLC t- TLC pay per view, where people oh. amuse themselves by having good mm. matches that uh, the other people relentlessly shit on for no reason. Yeah. Uh, what what a night it was. What a night. We're let's talk about this WWE TLC pay per view last year when it was in Cleveland. I was there, and it was the night of the mysterious TV exploding in Dean Ambrose's <laughs> face. And one year later. Dean Ambrose, the only member of the family to win the respective titles they were going for. A surprise there, kind of, at least for me. I didn't expect if they were going to have, you know, one person of the family win titles, it was going to be Dean Ambrose. He might have been the last person I was would have selected. But Dean Ambrose, who has won now four pay-per-view matches in the last two years, two of which were singles matches with Kevin Owens. One was a DQ win over Seth Rollins. Dean Ambrose, finally. Getting the title. Uh, as we go into this card, I want to start with that. I actually want to start with Dean Ambrose winning the championship. Is this a big deal as we head into Royal Rumble? Is Dean Ambrose a guy that we're going to focus on here in WWE now? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> a little, a little I mean, flukish I, win, huh? I, well, I think it's, I think that they obviously need to push people and treat them as stars. I think we'd probably all agree with that, regardless of who our pet picks would be for who those people would be. But I don't really see any reason to believe 
that Ambrose in particular is going to get star treatment coming out of this show. Mm-hmm. I actually think that match tells us more about what they think of Kevin Owens than it, what it tells us about what they think of Dean Ambrose. I could be wrong. I mean, it may be too early to say on that, but um, from my perspective, with even the sort of loose rumors of Kevin Owens and Brock Lesnar, whether you believe that was even a remote possibility or not, whatever the case, obviously that's not going to happen now. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the real question is, if that's not going to happen, where's Owens going to be going for it? I mean, Ambrose is sort of attached to the main storyline vis-a-vis his relationship with Roman. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of protected whether he has a title or not. Owens, on the other hand, I don't really know what he does now. So I thought the match was pretty good, and I thought it was kind of cool to see a title change that, um, you know, I kind of thought there was a chance, but I wasn't super expecting it. But at the end of the day, I think it sort of is a weird situation because Ambrose probably didn't need a belt. Owens might have, and I don't really know where you go with Kevin Owens now. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, part of this. Where does Kevin Owens go now? Uh, you know, let me us- let me let me ask a question. Go ahead. And Jeff, it, it's great because before we went on the air, Jeff, you had been watching your phone and you were still and I couldn't tell if your picture had frozen. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the last five minutes were. It seems like I couldn't no. tell. But you are back. So we are back. Um, yep. I want to get your take on Kevin Owens losing here. Dean Ambrose winning the title. What does it mean for both guys? Don't get sick. I wondered that, right? <laughs> That's what that means. That's all that means to me. That's what, I mean, it took me a while to realize that. It took me about five minutes after the match to go, oh, yeah, Kevin Owens missed a raw taping because he was sick, and Vince hates people who are sick. But that's the cynic in me says that because right. we're cynical because the on title that cha- The title yeah. change now, I mean, what does it really do? I mean, I, I think Dylan w- was dead on about that. I mean, you have to change the title sometime. It's a mid-card title, but at the same time, now, after not even setting up this feud at all, you change the title willy-nilly? Okay. They didn't have a promo battle yeah. with each no. other. Now, do you well, think well, they, I mean, they the, rematch? Go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to say the big build for this, too, was popcorn to the face, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't even like a compelling angle that set this up, you know? Uh, and they did, as, as many people were pointing out on Twitter as the show was going on, what a weird match not to be a gimmick match. You've got Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose, arguably the two most qualified gimmick match workers on the entire roster. Mm-hmm. On gimmick match pay-per-view, they don't wrestle a gimmick match. Now, again, I like the match, but the whole thing is strange, if you really think about it. It's just a very odd use of these guys. Um, on the other, uh, now, having said that, I would prefer that if they were going to change the title, it's in a straight match with a clean finish. Uh-huh. But, yeah. It's it's still really the whole dynamic of it is very strange. I really don't know that you know the question. I guess is are they flying by the seat of their pants with this decision, which I think we sort of all assume, or is there some sort of strategic vision in place, whether it be a good one <laughs> or a bad one? You know the uh, the only strategic the only strategic vision I could see here would be tension between Roman and Dean again over Dean winning a title and Roman not. Yeah, that could be. That's I, I actually don't think that's entirely outside the realm of possibility, especially given what would happen after the main event. Yeah, they're going. Uh, they're they're going in an interesting direction here because that was always one of the ways this could go, right? Is someone in this family wins the title, and then other people kind of get jealous at it if they want to go that way. Um, I I don't think it's a big deal that Kevin Owens 
lost the match here. I mean, I see it more as Dean Ambrose finally winning and, you know, D Kevin Owens was the opponent. So Kevin Owens had to take the I, loss I here. The thing, I want to be clear about that, Rob, because I don't think it's necessarily a negative for Kevin Owens uh -huh. so much as it is if you're somebody who was even loosely subscribing to the theory that Owens might be the next big heel pushed out of all this craziness going on and that he might be a Brock opponent, you forget about that now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's out the window. The, the, the question is, is Owens going to end up sort of being in the Cesaro-ish role of workhorse TV wrestler that's always more over than his push? Yeah. Uh, and I say that as somebody who's not even the biggest Owens fan, I might add. Right. Or is he going to be somebody that they do have some sort of plan for, and for some reason that plan required the title to be off of? I think that's really the open question. Yeah, the illness timing here kind of, it, it kind of plays with you because you think very well that Vince could be backstage saying, oh, Kevin Owens sick, we can't trust him now, so let's take the title off of him. The Intercontinental title, by the way, that doesn't, hasn't meant that much all year. It was supposed to after WrestleMania, but then Daniel Bryan got hurt, and then Ryback won it, and it just hasn't meant that much. Uh, a poll going up right now at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, if you're in the live chat on YouTube or any time until Monday night, you can vote in this poll. I ask, Kevin Owens' loss, punishment or no big deal? Punishment or no big deal? Right now, with a commanding lead at 83%, so far people are saying Kevin Owens' loss is no big deal at the moment, but let's go into the show, the pre-show. Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, was made today on Twitter. Uh, Sasha Banks' hometown of Boston uh, didn't really feel like it was someone coming in for the hometown because they did seemingly everything they could with the New Day ripoff act before this match to make sure that oh. the crowd wasn't super into Sasha Banks. They go out there, have what I thought was a pretty good match going over 10 minutes. Uh, Dylan, your thoughts on Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch here, not just the fact that Sasha ended up winning, but how she won and how this match even came about. Um, I think it's, to me, it's weird that they didn't promote it only because Sasha is pretty clearly the most overact um, on these shows, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like from a women's perspective, I mean, it's right. not even close. So it, 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 that is kind of odd, uh, even if it was going to be the pre-show match, why they didn't promote it sooner. Mm -hmm. um, I did not see all of the match. I saw about the last two thirds of it. And I actually thought it was a pretty good match, which shouldn't really surprise anyone. But of course the real story, I think less so than the, the match itself and the quality of it is, is what they're sort of setting up here where Becky is the ultimate baby face who refuses to cheat. She's being screwed over by cheating in this match. Her, her best friend's a, a cheater and, I, I, you know, where are they going to go with that storyline on the back end of this? Because I think there's a lot of places they can go with it. Is she going to stay like the ultimate sort of uh, super baby face who's completely above breaking the rules? Or is this going to lead to her snapping? Is she going to end up working kind of like an Eddie Guerrero gimmick uh, based around, you know, her version of lying and cheating and stealing in a baby face context? I actually think there's a lot of places you could go with Becky at this point from that perspective. The question is whether or not they're going to be smart enough to give a damn or try and do anything creative with it. Uh, and of course, I mean, I guess the other big issue is, you know, team bad officially basically being, uh, you know, new day uh, with vaginas. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what they are. Now. Yeah. They're trying to so, replicate the new day. Now the problem there is we've already had the new day, right? So now when you're trying to make, you know, this female group into the female New Day, it comes off a little bit as a knockoff. It's 
second rate because they're just ripping off what you see from the males. And now it's something to where we were talking about the New Day being exposed already, Jeff, being overexposed mm. on these shows. And now you have a second New Day group. I mean, the crowd's not going to take to it like they are the New Day. This can't be a good thing. Um, no, it feels like diet New Day. Yeah, it's a little yeah, off. It's the same, but it tastes funnier and you don't like it as much. And, and Dylan mentions about Becky Lynch, too. But now we have Becky Lynch, who is loyal to a fault because she's either loyal or gullible or, a bo- gullible or a both. Because, I mean, she's just believing whatever Paige would say when they were mm-hmm. doing uh, that group still. Now she's believing everything that Charlotte says, no matter how rude Charlotte is to her. Uh, I mean, Becky Lynch's deal here. It doesn't seem like they have any idea for her to be anything more than someone who loses to those on the up and up. She's Bailey. But is she's, she even that? She's, she's Bailey from when all her friends were doing this to her in the build. It's, a, it's yep, the exact same story. True. It's the exact same that's story. True. And the thing that killed me about the ending of both this match and the other Divas match is that the exact thing that got them over in NXT they're doing the opposite on the main roster. They're making them like they how they do men on the roster in terms of these screw job distraction finishes. Uh, you know, heels always have to cheat at all times in order to ever win as opposed to what they were doing. I mean, if you compare this match to the NXT match, mm-hmm. it's night and day. And that's a shame because if you had put on the NXT match, it would have given you a hot crowd going into the pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, I mean you can't deny that. And then all, I mean, but it's it's even beyond that. I suggest because if you compare this to something like uh, Bailey versus even Marie, which yeah. had all the smoke and mirrors and plenty of interference, yeah, you know the big difference is that was aging and well, and it has characters that people are super invested in because they've done things and in, in presented them in a compelling fashion for that particular audience. Yeah, so, I liked the, I liked I, the match up until the ending. To be honest with you, yeah, up until the I, end, I, I agree liked with you. It. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed the match too. I thought the first two matches on the show uh, really delivered strong. And we're going to get into the main tag team title match here uh, next. But before we do, um, I wanted to make the announcements early, but I was all discombobulated by uh, the fact that oh my, I was rubbing my nipples and I was getting a little excited. And then you know, Dylan isn't here yet, and you know, the show is built around Dylan coming on and telling us exactly what we need to think about WWE and all this and. And Skype isn't working, and the YouTube stream is going all nuts, and I'm trying to get that right. And then I'm putting Dylan Hales' number on the screen for millions and millions of people out there to see, which was an accident. I apologize, but uh, just huge, I'm, huge fan of that. Yeah, are, are you? Are you? I'm sure. Yeah, we're never getting Dylan back on the show, so enjoy it now, Jeff. Uh, that's not true. I'll, I'll, Dylan and I will do our own show. I'll edit. I'll I'll put like a. A non-removable little thing over the number, whatever I can do. But uh, I wanted to make mention: we are found at voicesofwrestling.com/str. At Shake Them Ropes is the Twitter handle for the show. At Crap Game Thirteen is Jeff. At Dylan Waco, Dylan W A C O on Twitter for Dylan Hales of the Wrestling Culture Podcast. Uh, I wanted to make mention because now is the time where I. It is the Christmas season. I am a giver. I am I am one who gives without looking for anything in return. I am basically a saint. I mean, I not my words. Others that have said this about me that I'm just repeating. Trust me, they're there. Uh, but I want to raise money to get Jeff Hawkins a new and better microphone. And oh, really? 
I do. I want to raise money for this. So if you are listening out there and are a fan of Jeff Hawkins, the show in general, but mostly if you're a fan of Jeff, I mean, let's be real. He's got a few fans out there. I, I'm glad for him. I'm happy for Jeff Hawkins. Uh, a big weekend for Jeff Hawkins here, too. We'll talk to him about PWG a little bit later on in the show, but I'm trying to raise money for him. If, if you want to donate to make this happen, we have a link in the YouTube description and the voicesofwrestling.com description, paypal.me slash Rob McCarran. You can donate to the show. If you want to get something in return, shop on Amazon via our Amazon affiliate link. It is voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon, and portions go to that. Jeff, you're making faces. What's up? I'll, I have a job, Rob. If you want me to get a new mic, just let me know. I'll match whatever. If anybody donates, I'll match. It's just... Uh, hey, there that, you go. That, it, make, it makes me uncomfortable that you did that. It that, makes you uncomfortable. I'll put in five bucks. I'll put in okay. five bucks we on got, the condition that Rob puts up the YouTube clip of Tank giving him the curb stomp at an IWA Mid-South show. <laughs> I found that clip the other day, by the way. I could make that happen. If you want to see me getting curb stomped at IWA King of the Death Matches... In a bowling alley parking lot, I can make that video happen if you donate and we raise enough money to buy Jeff a new microphone uh, or or other improvements. How about this, Jeff? You buy the microphone will improve in other ways with any donations that happen. Uh, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll put it towards the cost of a mic. It's we fine. may not get any donations. I'm just That's I'm just fine. giving it a chance. But like I said, there are ways you can contribute uh, for free, liking and sharing this video or contribute and get something back by shopping our Amazon affiliate link. Um, so that's all, that's all the boring stuff out of the way. Uh, that's all the boring stuff. Let's get into the... No, tab. it's not. We got other stuff on the show to talk about. Oh, that's true. There were there was some boring stuff, but what was certainly not boring, the opening tag team title match, the New Day, the Usos, and the Lucha Dragons, where mm -hmm. finally, after putting Mystico in the Sin Cara mask, after putting Hunico in the Sin Cara mask, after now having Callisto up, after all these crazy ladder matches and elimination chamber matches where they have tried to do something with the masked wrestlers, Kalisto finally came out with a star-making moment, I feel, in this match. Uh, Jeff, the Kalisto Salida del Sol through the ladder was a fluid-looking spot. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not even talking about the bump. Just the fact that he went up and everything worked and executed so perfectly to make that bump happen. Uh, that was the spot of the night, in my opinion. This was uh, maybe, I mean, not going too far. I think this was the match of the night. It was a car crash of a TLC-style uh, match here. Uh, I love this opener. In a perfect world, this would make the tag team titles matter because this match, everybody put it on the line. They put their bodies on the line to get these belts. Um I even think Sin Cara did some insane stuff. That dive to the outside on the ladder, that was nuts. Everybody here should be have a higher profile than they do, but, hmm, because, but. The, because the division has been such an afterthought over the years, I, I, I think we're just going to get a rematch tomorrow, and that's going to be it, a triple threat match of some kind. No ladders, necessarily. Dylan, your but, thoughts on the I mean, I, I loved the match, though. I loved it yes. at all. It was just a car crash. It was great. For me, thinking that, okay, what does this all mean that they're putting their bodies on the line in this way? But the match itself, it no just, problems It was whatsoever. just go out there, have fun. Let's open up this pay-per-view, right, Dylan? 
Yeah, this was really good for, for what it was. And I, normally when people use that verbiage, I think they mean it in sort of like a dismissive way, like, oh, yeah. it's good for what it was. Uh, that's not at all what I mean. I mean, quite right. literally, this was really good yeah. for the kind of match it was and for its placement on the card, you know. I mean, New Day are by far the most entertaining act on the roster. Mm-hmm. But they've been hit or miss at times with matches. Sometimes they're really great, and sometimes it's just okay. Uh, I, I think that's lots of time chalked up to their opponents or whatever. But this definitely came off uh, as an occasion where all three teams really wanted to do well. You know, yeah. lots of times, you know, when you have a situation like this, even good teams and, and good wrestlers will, I don't want to say they'll phone it in, but they'll say, all right, this is our spot. And we're going to do enough to get a reaction, and then we're going to go to the back. That was not at all what happened here. Um, there were so many crazy spots in this that about a third of the way through the match, I was getting text messages and, and tweeting to people and, and following the, the Twitter sphere, and people were completely losing their mind about the insanity. I thought, you know what? That, that, that's true. This has been pretty crazy. And every single time I thought that, something way more insane happened. Yes. <laughs> and, and that spot, you know, the, the sliced bread, whatever the hell uh, Kalisto calls it, uh, <laughs> off, the, off the ladder through the other, I said it at the time, watching it in the moment. I'll say it again here on the show. I honestly think that is probably the craziest single individual spot I've ever seen on a WWE television broadcast, particularly from the perspective that if it was even a little bit off, somebody is getting seriously injured, like just slightly off. And that's, you know, I I was really impressed with it. Um, I think you could make a strong case for this being the match of the night. I'm not entirely sure I would give it that distinction, but it was certainly the match that I think succeeded the most with the live crowd and also delivered for those of us watching at home. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's only it's only competition would be the main event, right? Yes. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the main event. Um, I I just thought that spot and everything. Uh, I I really enjoyed this, not just for what it was. Um, but before we get to the big news about SmackDown in the future, Jeff, yes, you had one more thing on the show. Oh no, I no, I wanted to say that I I think the Usos deserve credit as being the conduit between the no, New Day and and the uh, mm, nope and the and the Lucha Dragons. I think why not. Because they're the Usos. Okay. I mean, well, the New okay. Day basically I, I, said everything I feel about the Usos in the pre-match promo. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing to, to address what Dylan says, the only crazier bump I can think of offhand is the one that MVP took at uh, one of the Money in the Bank matches where he went from the top to the outside through a ladder. Yep, yep. I remember that now. That, okay, was, that but, was pretty bad. But let's be real here. The craziest bump in history is the Mick Foley off the cage. Yes, just not yeah, for but how the thing it, about this was, it, 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 here's the difference between those two, this and those two, uh-huh. right? This required complete concentration and ability in a, oh, yeah. in a spot fest yes. between two people who were physically entangled with each other throughout the entire act. Whereas right. you can't say that about the MVP bump, and you absolutely can't say that about the Foley bump. So while those singular bumps may have been crazy, well, they probably were crazy, or certainly the Foley bump was, I don't know that the actual visual effect was quite as insane because you're literally seeing a person reverse gravity while they're 20 feet in the air, mm-hmm. uh, using WWE metrics there, of course, sure, looking yeah. backwards over the ladder and then through another. I mean, to me, again, if you're even a little bit off on that, somebody is 
seriously yes. hurt. And, and, and I'll mention something when we get to the main event where I thought somebody was seriously hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was the execution that made that uh, just twice as great and crazy uh, to me. I mean, it took flawless execution, and they got that. Um, but right before this match was starting, uh, Twitter was a buzz. Uh, it came out in Richard Deitch's SI Sports Media column that the WWE has hired a new announcer who will become the voice of SmackDown coming in January when SmackDown moves to USA Network. WWE has hired, and he has agreed to come on, Mauro Ranallo. So that was pretty cool news that Mauro Ranallo is coming on, joining the broadcast team. We're going to be the voice of SmackDown and attend Raw's and pay-per-views. So seemingly he'll be a part of any TV broadcast. Uh, Michael Cole called him up, said, will you want to come on? And he said, yes. So, uh, Dylan, what do you think about the news that Mauro Ranallo is going to join WWE TV? I think it's going to be, uh, well, I think it's a good signing. I mean, he's somebody that I think um, is pretty much universally regarded as one of the few pro wrestling commentators who's actually good in 2015. So, it's certainly not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think it will be interesting to see how he transitions to calling a show that, you know, is, is happened. It, it, that's a live in front of a live audience. Um, it, it's going to have a much different vibe. And I know he's done it with other sporting events, but it's going to be much different than calling new Japan on access where your tape shows, you can research well in advance. You, you, you are, when you're doing what he's doing now, mm -hmm. or, or has been doing with new Japan, particularly, you have a lot of benefits that you do not have when you're in the live booth, especially when you're in a live booth being yelled at by Vince McMahon. So it's going to be interesting to see if the, the you know, critically acclaimed uh, Ronaldo is the same as what we actually get yeah. in the WWE booth. And I don't have an answer to that. I think it's actually a 50-50 proposition. You know, my, you know, my favorite commentator in wrestling today is Dan Wilson, who's a Southern independent commentator. He used to do Wildside. Now he does Empire. He did the Scenic City Invitational this year. And I can't even, and as much a big a fan as I am as him, I can't imagine him doing what, what the WWE guys do. I just can't envision it. And that's not a knock on him. It's just so different than what these guys are, are doing in the, in the capacity that they're currently in. I, I thought it was very interesting that SI's Richard Deitch is – and this came from WWE, the way the press release, uh, it wasn't even a press release, the way the news came out and the, and the timing that it's coming out, him saying that they'll announce it tomorrow. And this came from WWE's side that they're going to announce this. Um, Mauro Ronaldo apparently will still be allowed to do Showtime boxing and will still be allowed to do glory kickboxing. Uh, but his days as the Axis, uh, you know, New Japan commentator are over at this point for any new episodes. Um, what do you think about that, Jeff? How long does it last that if Mauro Ronaldo actually kicks in, what will happen first? Or maybe none of these will happen. He leaves WWE in disgrace, or not necessarily disgrace, but failure, possibly. Or he is uh, told, hey, you can't do Showtime boxing anymore. He'll be told he can't do Showtime boxing anymore. I think he'll swallow it and take it to be work in the WWE because I think he's always wanted to do that. Now, if this is the only cosmetic change SmackDown makes, they're not addressing all the problem here. And you know what? I, I think it has to be said, and this might be a little bit too inside baseball. Mauro Ronaldo, you know, he's very public about his bipolar disorder and mm -hmm. his, his issues with depression and whatnot. 
how is going to be getting yelled at by Vince McMahon going to oh, affect that? I, I, I mean, think, I think the narrative think that fine. we're going to, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, um, this getting yelled at by Vince McMahon. I mean, he's working SmackDown. Vince doesn't go to SmackDown anymore. He's not there. Okay. Who's he going to get yelled at by Kevin Dunn? He's, I mean, he's, oh, he's going to be there for those first few USA shows. Oh, he's going to be there for the first yeah, one. Oh, yeah, he will. Yes, he will be there for the first one. But he, I mean, he's not going to as many SmackDowns as he used to. Triple H is running that show. Right. And, and Rich Brennan has been doing this job. You think Mauro Ranallo, seasoned broadcaster, is going to come in and not do as well as Rich Brennan? Was it Brennan or Phillips? Rich Brennan, Brennan has been okay. doing SmackDown. What, what's like, the difference? I like Brennan. That, so. What's the difference? <laughs> I, I do actually like Rich Brennan. I think he does a great job. I like Tom Phillips, too. I thought they were both great. Um, but, I mean, we are less than a year removed from when Jerry Lawler was moved to the SmackDown team and there was made up this big, huge deal that Booker T was going to be on Raw and Jerry Lawler was going to be on SmackDown with Byron Saxton and and Todd Phillips. And and what is uh, the, all, the whole SmackDown team has changed. It's Rich Brennan. It's JBL. It's Booker T. It's, you know, it, it's a whole change from when they first started. You can't trust what they're going to do with the announced teams because they always seem to change at a whim, right, Dylan? That is true. I mean, I, I think it is uh, very much an open question whether even Ronaldo will be there in six months or a year. I, 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 and I don't mean necessarily gone from the company, by the way. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see him move to Raw. I know that may sound crazy to some people. No. you got to remember, that they That's wanted Mike Goldberg. Yes. You know, they won't. They wanted Mike Goldberg not that long ago. Well, right. I mean, it was a while back now. But And they were very close to getting him. So I think there are some people within that company, um, for both reasons good and bad, that like the idea of having a more seasoned sportscaster type in the lead role. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of things that can happen in the booth. And, and it'll be – let's be honest. If he does a good job, it'll be interesting to see – if it actually affects the ability of certain people to get over. I mean, again, I don't want to skip ahead on the show we're talking about here tonight, but you do wonder if you had somebody with that sort of mindset of actually putting over the characters in the matches, even as bad as some of these characters might be, calling the matches, would you have a situation where you have a wrestler who's as talented as Sheamus is, and he's un he has no positive reaction with the audience at all? None. I mean, I... I I, I do think that's not entirely the writers. It's not entirely Seamus being a lame character. I think part of that is, in fact, not having competent commentary. I think that really hurts the product. I think that's a part of the product that people sort of know is an issue, but I don't think people realize how big of an issue it was, or is, rather. When you don't have somebody who's putting over people and, and trying to get across the psychology or the angles or the characters themselves, it is a long-term issue, and it does create a crisis. I'm not sure that's an issue with play-by-play, -play, though. I think that's more the color guys who are just sitting there cracking wise all the time. I mean, if, if they really want to go forward with this, put Graves on there with Ranallo, and then I think you'll see that change. Well, I, that is the ideal. I would completely agree with that. That would be the ideal unit in the booth. Uh, it would be Ranallo and Graves. But having said that, I would argue that the WWE really doesn't even have half traditional play-by-play -play half the time anymore right you know right. You, you, if you watch enough raw cole will occasionally try to call stuff and then it just falls off the rails because you've got the crosstalk from mm -hmm. the others or you've got lawler and jbl or whoever's in the booth cracking terrible jokes it's just it always sort of devolves 
down that road, even if yeah. an attempt is made. Which, which is a shame, too, because when Michael Cole and JBL are focused, I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. I, I like Michael Cole I think Cole they can JBL. be, yes. When, when they're focused and actually paying attention and calling the match, and then you're right, they get into the crosstalk. I, I wonder how long it'll take Mauro Ronaldo to get you know, into the WWE mold of doing that crosstalk and making fun of each other. And, and we'll see what I like about Mauro Ronaldo coming in that, you know, for those of us in the wrestling bubble and for those who are long time paying attention to both MMA and pro wrestling is he has this cachet where he'll come in and he's a trusted guy, cash, whatever, Jeff, uh, he's this trusted guy that people are going to give him some slack if he starts doing some of the the tropes that WWE fans don't necessarily like out of their commentary team. Uh, he'll get a little leeway time because people know he is this high-end broadcaster of sports. And that can be a good thing. That could be a good thing for him. Uh, back into the show, though. The New Day won, by the way. They retain uh-huh. the tag team champions. Uh, but the big news of this with, match... With the trombone shot. With the trombone shot. I mean, this match had so much everything it, it really had everything uh it had everything but roman reigns being angry thank god we got that later in the show uh ryback and rusev dylan any hot takes on rusev and ryback you know i mean i thought it was a actually i know some people thought it was boring i think the issue with this is this is probably the best example to point to of the show even more so than the main event of the problem with WWE right now in the sense, sense that these guys went out there, they had a perfectly fine match. It wasn't anything to write home about. I certainly didn't think it was bad, but the problem is the angle is so stupid and they've done so much to strip down the aspects of both these characters that the crowd like. I mean, people forget Ryback at various times has been one of the most over guys on the roster. Yeah. Rusev this time last year was the most over guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. So to me, if you, if you really, this is just what happens when you have characters that people don't give a shit about. Right. You know, the end, the end game is this. You have guys who go out there, have a solid match, perfectly fine match, nothing wrong with it, nothing to write, perfectly fine, very suitable for the role, but the angle is so stupid that it gets almost no reaction and it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's it just, it is, it's sad because it's not like these guys didn't work hard. It's not like the match was bad, but when you're given the material and the like the and you're in the context that they're working in, there's mm-hmm. almost nothing they could have done to get over big time in front of that audience. I really believe that. I don't. I don't think they could have done anything to make this work. Are they are they rehabbing Rusev, Jeff? I think Rusev is almost self-aware that nobody gives a crap about him because he's been trying new stuff out there, especially with the corkscrew plancha. And things he's trying new. I think he's trying to improve. Honestly, I mean, I, he's still not my favorite guy on the roster, but you can definitely see where you know he's putting in some effort in here to try to get people to care about him. So, you know, I wouldn't say they're rehabbing him at all. They they just have him in place because everybody bats five hundred. Yeah, I I thought it was a good match too. In fact, I didn't. I mean, looking at this card and looking at the matches. Uh, it wasn't the worst match of the night for me. And when I say worst, I didn't find anything on this show to be bad. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed something out of everything on this show. Uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't have to look very hard to find stuff to enjoy, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. After this match took place, we had a backstage segment with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. And this is where 
Um, I couldn't have been the only one to listen to this and be like, what is happening here with Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns tells Dean Ambrose that win, lose, or draw tonight, he is going to make a statement. Effectively saying that was his goal tonight was to make a statement, not to win the championship, not to lose the championship, not to even draw the champion. Win, lose, or draw, I'm going to make a statement. And that would end up coming true. Um, did, Did that line in any way stand out in particular to either of you guys, Jeff or Dylan? Like, did, did that line stand out or was this one of those, okay, it's a backstage segment, let's move on to the next match? I was going to wait for Dylan. Um, but... yeah, I'll just say this. I'll cover that in more detail when we get to the main event, and I'll let Jack have his take on it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was a backstage segment they've had way too much of these talky segments between dean and roman all they need to do was a fist bump and a smirk and go on with it and instead they just gave the entire exposition of their their stable being called the family and and uh, you know we didn't need that just yeah let's do this boom fist bump and we're out and it would have said the exact same thing pretty much jack swagger alberto del rio in the chairs match uh, Del Rio seemingly came in, uh, motivated Jack Swagger came in to say, I thought so. Uh, okay. Jack Swagger certainly came in like, okay, I deserve more pay-per-view matches. Cause every time I'm on a big match with guys that you wouldn't expect me to have good matches with, I deliver. I mean, this guy was having great matches last year on the B shows or on the C shows mm-hmm. with Titus O'Neil, uh, having good matches with Fandango having good matches. I mean, one of the best feuds of last year was his set with Rusev. And then here he comes in having Alberto Del Rio's maybe best match since coming back to WWE. Am I overstating that Jack Swagger is one of the best big match performers currently on the roster, Dylan? I don't know if I'd go that far. I think he's got certain traits that he, he, there's certain ring movements he has that sort of irks me. But in terms of a guy who I think wants to be really good and wants to step up to the plate, He's exactly the, the kind of guy that, you know, he doesn't pout. Like a lot of guys, if they're off uh, television for a while or they're in an irrelevant role or they're whatever, when they come back around, it almost is like they're still pouting about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, Del, Christ, Del Rio is getting $75 million or whatever it was they built to report it, and he, he can't even uh, uh, be bothered to look like he's not pouting two-thirds of the time. So this is, this is an issue with a lot of these guys. But I honestly, this, this is going to be a weird thing to say. I get, I get it. Uh, people are probably going to be like, you know, you're being dumbass. This match I thought was really good, like almost in the, in the vein of, of the, the, uh, the, the tag title match and the main event for me, not terribly far off from either. But the one thing that stuck in my mind when I was watching this was it, it felt like watching a – like a bump, like remember those bum fight videos where like people would go up to bums and they'd like, they'd give them like, here's $20, yeah. beat the, beat the hell, here's a 40, go beat the hell out of each other. You know, Del Rio obviously doesn't come across bumish in this, but Zach, Jack Swagger literally looks like he could have been a guy they picked up off the street and gave $20 to and said, we'll give you this and give you a place to sleep tonight if you let this guy beat the bejesus out of you. I mean, it was like, because he's not a guy who's been on the radar. And he's just in there getting massacred. I mean, there was welts all over his back. But more, cre- I mean, I'm giving the guy credit when I say that, but it was almost, it, at times, it was almost a little bit too much in the sense that Del Rio is a guy who we know kind of has an attitude. And I thought, man, 
would he be taking liberties with another guy? You know, like, Mm -hmm. would he be doing this if this was somebody that had any potential clout? Um, But as a match to watch and enjoy, I thought it was really good. I can't possibly imagine having these two guys having a better match with this gimmick. And it is a real credit to both of them. You know, I thought Del Rio was this his best match since he's been back and and swagger. Oh yeah. You know, like you said, Rob, a lot of the time Mm -hmm. he really does step up. Jeff. I love, Oh, I love Jack Swagger. I think he has the athletic heft. He should be on par with Brock Lesnar almost in this Fed with with his amateur background. Um, I kind of take a different tone with Del Rio in this match. I thought Del Rio was dreadful in this match, to be honest with you. I mean, just in terms of, and maybe it's just one moment that took me out of it after that long ankle lock. And it seemed obvious to me there was supposed to be a chair underneath the ring and there wasn't there. And so he had to kind of, he had to tell Swagger basically to let go so he could drop out of the ring and then not sell the ankle at all. Um, he seemed almost disinterested in the match to me the entire time. Well, Alberto, I, it's I just mean, me. Alberto always seems disinterested. Right. Right, but I mean, they're, they're, I mean, looking that way and acting that way are two different things. And I, you know, I just maybe it was just what I was, how I was watching it, but I didn't care for Del Rio at all in this match. To be honest with you, I thought Jack Swagger was, was a darn hero for taking all the stuff he did, and I thought Del Rio was being a little sloppy with it. To be I honest mean, with you, give Swagger that much damage. Should we even be blaming Del Rio? This is a guy who went to Mexico for a year and a half, was the top guy, was treated as the biggest star in a company here, and he chose to come back to WWE where he knew that he was never going to be the top guy. This is a guy who may seem disinterested in the ring because he doesn't want to be the top guy and he knows he's not going to be the top guy, so he's there collecting a paycheck, going through the motions as best he can. That's not necessarily a a huge knock on him either because he puts out good matches every once in a while. Um, but should we be blaming this guy for just taking the money and running effectively? Well, I mean, to me, here's the thing. All right. And I actually kind of agree with Jeff's point, even in a way, uh, thinking about it, because this match kind of came across like a, uh, a Bret Easton Ellis novel, like where, where Alberto Del Rio is like the sociopathic protagonist. And, you know, Jack Swagger is just like the rent boy who did something wrong and is going to be killed now. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it, it was, it was very snuffish in that regard. But I, you know, and, and, but I think the thing is with Del Rio, that is who he is at this point in his career, both on camera and off camera. And so in a way I kind of do, I, you know, we, I don't think we should expect too much from him. I think uh, we should expect good effort. And I think the issue right now with him is, that because of that demeanor that Jeff referred to, I think sometimes it's hard to tell if he's putting forth an effort or not <laughs> because he comes across so cavalier. Like, mm-hmm. like it, 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 and I can't, to me, that's just who he is, right. even as a character at this stage. It, it just may not be a good character. Yeah, that's true. Uh, over under on when we'll see Jack Swagger next on Raw. I want to put it at March 15th. Will we see Jack Swagger on Raw before? or after that date, or option C, never again. And I'll let you start, Dylan. Before, but as I joked on Twitter, this match could take place in Bellator next year. We could have a rematch of this tonight's match. Uh, Swagger, the, Del Rio, MMA, Bellator next year. This time it's real on Spike. <laughs> uh, Jeff, before or after March 15th, Jack Swagger makes an appearance on Raw. It'll be on tomorrow. 
Okay. He'll be on tomorrow. Losing, most likely, mm-hmm. to Probably. Alberto Del Rio. Um, or, or to Rusev. Or, to or to Rusev. Like someone in there. Eight-man elimination tables match. Jeff, it was elimination indeed. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman looking like the big beast out of this. It was interesting because this entire match, you know, everyone worked except Bubba Ray Dudley had this hard on for keeping Braun Strowman in the corner of the outside. Like they, they were just doing things to each other. That was off camera for most of the match. Uh, seemingly just to keep Braun Strowman out of everything to hide him until he Mm -hmm. had to come in for the finish. Um, I, I thought it was particularly, it was, it was somewhat enjoyable. I mean, it was fast paced enough to where I was never bored during this match. Uh, I thought it was cool seeing, you know, Rhino in there in a match on pay-per-view again. I, I, Call me whatever, but I thought it was cool. Uh, and sometimes you just want cool in WWE for a little bit. Uh, but Braun Strowman, at the end of the day, gets the win with the choke slam. The Wyatts win this one. Uh, Eric Rowan, the only man eliminated from Team Wyatt family as well. Uh, what do you think about the eight-man elimination tables match? Went down as much as I thought it would. I, I You know what? If you're going to make the Wyatts kind of be the sole survivors... How about we build the entire family up and stop jobbing Eric Rowan all the time? Uh, because, you know what, none of these other four guys need a victory, to be honest with you. Um, I couldn't tell, and in my timeline, I just kind of went back and looked at who was the sloppy one, Bra- Braun Strowman or Bubba Ray Dudley? Because there seemed to be an ongoing argument. There, 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 well, there seemed to be an ongoing argument about that. Because someone, I forget who it was, but someone said, you know what? There's going to be a shoot interview later where Bubba's going to blame Strowman for being the sloppy one here, and it's incorrect. <laughs> um, I, but I just, you know what? I, it, it went down as I thought it would. Yeah, I, I just, just thought yeah. Bubba was trying to lay in. At one point there, Bubba just was like, okay, you're not hitting me hard enough. I'm going to motivate you to hit me hard, so I'm just going to beat the crap out of you for a little bit. Because It was during, I, the, DD, the, during the DDT spot, I think, that the, when the argument started to happen as to who was yeah. being sloppier. Yeah, yeah, you had to get something out of Braun Strowman here. Um, and Bubba Ray did his best, I suppose. But I, I just thought that was weird. I mean, yeah, you. I guess if you're going into this match, should we hide Braun? Of course. But the yes. way they did it, I thought was a little odd. What'd you think, Dylan? You know, I thought this was the worst match on the show, but it was, mm-hmm. it was, it, it was a train wreck, but it was kind of an entertaining train wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, they they tried to hide Strowman. I'll be honest, I didn't even think Strowman was the worst person in this. Um, I mean, he, he he's the worst wrestler in this, don't get me wrong. But I don't think on this night he was the worst person in the match. Uh, I thought the worst person in the match was Devon. But this, look, this is just a weird, like, mini feud for the Wyatts, who are another languishing act. It was probably as good as it possibly could have been given the circumstances. It did get over with the live crowd, which I think we have to call that. You know, we have to call it spade a spade. I mean, yeah. for all the criticisms about bringing back the older guys, particularly guys like this who theoretically have no real upside or a limited upside, they seem to get over. Perhaps it's because they were actually treated by, like stars in their prime. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was – Perfectly fine for the spot in the card it was on and for what they needed to do. But at the end of it, my I was just left thinking, man, uh, yeah, Luke Harper is so good yeah. to be yeah. wasted. He's, he's month great. after month, week after week, and shit like this. I mean, he's as, he is every bit 
as wasted as Cesaro was, you know, pr- prior to the injury, every bit as much. And it just kills you to see somebody that talented who can get over on the, just the strength of what he does bell to bell. And he's just sort of a peripheral figure in this whatever that is the Wyatt family at this point. Cause I think it's impossible to tell what the purpose of that unit is at this stage. I mean, there's no clear direction with them at this point. I don't, again, another act where I have absolutely no clue where you go with them. Well, now, I, the funny, the funny thing to me was um, in, in addition to that is, is on the ECW side, the guy who's been working the most consecutively for WWE Rhino, who's been making all these guys look good in NXT is the first yeah. one just kind of nondescriptly eliminated yeah. from the entire no. match. Yep. Just, I mean, he, he made, I thought his run with Baron Corbin was really good. I mean, he had a really good match with Samoa Joe. This guy can still go a little bit when you're, uh, when you're trying to give him something that he can sink his teeth into. Um, I, you know, I, I enjoyed this too. It was, it was not my worst match of the night. The worst match of the night to me was the one we had coming up next. Uh, but what, where this goes with the Wyatt family is I thought it was, you know, they had Braun Strowman get the final fall, the choke slam through the table. Uh, Bubba Dudley went to light it, light the table on fire. Didn't happen. So Bubba Ray Dudley just went through a table and got wet a little bit. Um, Braun Strowman, the choke slam standing tall at the end. To me, the end game for this would be an eventual Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman face off, uh, expecting the crowd to get behind. I don't know if it's going to be Bray, if it's going to be Braun, but, and it may not be a year from now when this happens, but that's what's going to happen. That's what happens when you have groups like this in WWE is the top guy eventually is not a big fan of the up and coming guy. And the up and coming guy for WWE is Braun Strowman, right? So eventually they're going to clash. Am I off base there, Dylan? No, I think you're right, but I want you to imagine. Just think about this for a second. Okay, I'm think. I'm thinking. I, I think about the trends that we have seen with live audiences just in the last three, four years, let alone in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to think about the idea of a year-long build for a Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman program, where Braun goes over in the end and presumably ascends to near the top of the WWE ladder. Can you imagine? I mean, if you think we're getting negative responses for stuff now, like that is very likely the most guaranteed to fail thing I can possibly think of. And yet I do agree with you, Rob, that it's also completely logical, particularly if you're operating from the, you know, the universe that WWE sort of operates in when it comes to booking and how they present, present things. But my God, I cannot, I li- I'm seriously trying to think of another alternate scenario that would be as potentially disastrous <laughs> as that in terms of getting over with a live WWE crowd. I don't know that I could think of one. Cur- uh, oh, I was going to say Curtis Axel and Rowan, but no, I think the crowd would get behind Curtis Axel a little bit. So I, I don't yes. know. It'd be whoever it would be. It would be Rowan and somebody. Rowan and Braun maybe is what you would be going with. <laughs> Rob, does it Rob does this face-off happen before or after the Braun Strowman Undertaker WrestleMania match? Oh, after. <laughs> after. And it may be because of that match. If, if you do Braun Strowman and the Undertaker at any point, whether it's WrestleMania or beyond, Bray Wyatt is going to be the one saying, Braun, you couldn't get the job done, blah, blah, blah. And, right. it's gonna be, and there you are, big SummerSlam confrontation in New York City. Braun. Can you imagine that crowd? Dylan, you're talking about crowds. Put them in front of New York City and Brooklyn. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. Um, as long as he does a moonsault, we'll be good. 
Yeah, do a moonsault and I'll be fine. Yeah, do <laughs> Sadly, a you might be right. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose was my worst match of the night. And it may be oh. expectation bias uh, for what I expected going in. But this was a feud that coming into this match, the two guys didn't even have a promo battle. I mean, you have Kevin Owens, you have Dean Ambrose, big talkers. I mean, that's what's got them over with audiences already is their speaking ability. And you put them out there and all you do is the popcorn and, you know, soda gimmick and no talking between the two. And the fact that you had a new champion here tells me they're going to keep going with these two for at least one more pay-per-view, maybe just a finisher on Raw. Uh, but I, I, I just don't know. You're right, Dylan. I don't know what they're going to do with Kevin Owens. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Kevin Owens and what they're going to do with him right now. Uh, but I am interested to see where they go. But to me, it, it just didn't click in what they were trying to do. And I, I wasn't a big fan of the match. I... You know, I actually thought it was a little bit better than I expected it to be, to be honest. Uh, I did, I mean, it was not anything I will probably ever go out of my way to watch again. Right. In fairness. Uh, but, and some would argue, by the way, that, that Kevin Owens is at his best when he wrestles the sort of go-go, what's-selling style. But that's not really my preference for, for wrestling. <laughs> so, um I actually appreciate it when he when, when the matches are slightly toned down. There were a few spots in this that I that are too cute for my blood, uh, but I actually thought it was a pretty good match, and I and I legitimately liked the finish, although the execution was a little bit off. Yeah, it was. I, I, oh, for I, sure. I I, I I legit liked the finish for what it was too. So I enjoyed this. Uh, I think it was probably in a really bad place on the card, though. Mm-hmm. I think you could. You know, you could make the argument that this should have been the opener. That seems crazy because the match that was the opener was such an obviously awesome opener for that. But I feel like you could have put that ladder match later in the card and it would have been had a bigger profile in Jun Just as well. Whereas this match, I think, would have probably fit better as an opener than where it was on the card. But I, I, was, uh, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I didn't love it. What, wouldn't be something I'd go on way to see again. I think the ramifications and the fallout with what happens with these guys is really the story coming out of the match, though, and not really the quality of it. Yeah, uh, that the result is the story. Um, I, we were talking about how the main event of the show, the match wasn't going to be the story, the result would be, and then it kind of turned out to be both. But, Jeff, I mean, uh, I mean, you're looking at me like, how am I still thinking that this match wasn't that great? I don't know. I, no, I, I'm maybe not, I'm, no, I'm maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm alone on this. I'm, I'm on an island here thinking this match was the worst of the night. Again, enjoyed i thought the finish like dylan was saying was not executed well because of all the people a hurricane rana out of the pop-up powerbomb is a logical reversal a logical finish i don't know if dean ambrose is that guy to get the finish to but jeff go on no i i I was actually just starting to speak and then i just shut up that wasn't any look towards you um Actually, for me, I kind of agree with you. I, I agree with both of you in a way. It under-delivered for me, but at the same time, I, it was better than I thought it would be because I thought it would be a little bit too cute by half in order to get this feud going. I really wanted this match to be like the first five minutes of the main event because of what these two guys' characters are, a fighter and a guy who's unhinged. I wanted to see some stiffness and some beating of people and some fisticuffs and just being a wild, wild type of brawl, and I got a wrestling match instead, which was fascinating. Um, didn't appreciate the I eat popcorn and drink soda every day line. I thought that was a little bit too 
on the nose and probably, you know, my again, my cynical nature rang a bell when that line came up. Uh, other than that, I mean, it was a match and and it was it was good, but it really didn't register with me anything emotionally. My question is, are they eventually going to pay off this Kevin Owens, Michael Cole thing? Because it's getting annoying to me. No, Michael Cole doesn't get anything paid off. Right. It's just, it's just, that was for you, Michael Cole. Well, he's talking to me again. And they keep bringing it up on TV week after week after week. And, and I mean, unless, unless I'm getting him power bombed, shut up. No, it's not happening. Although Michael uh, Cole has the body for it now. Maybe he could get power bombed and get replaced by Mauro Ronaldo and everything would be great. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> My daughter's the champ, baby. Woo! Charlotte retained the title against Paige, and they continue the setup eventually to Becky Lynch and Charlotte. But Becky Lynch lost on the pre-show to Sasha, so I don't know what they're setting up for. And and the fact the way that Paige lost this match, Paige may still be in the title contention. I mean, there is no way we're getting a singles Divas title match at WrestleMania at this point, is there? No, no. I know. I, I think it's very unlikely you're going to get a single Steven title match. I actually think that was probably unlikely no matter what, but I think it's increasingly unlikely. Uh, look, this is, they've got a real, I mean, obviously there's a real problem with the, uh, the so-called uh, Divas Revolution or whatever the hell you want to call it now. It, but this match, which was not bad, by the way. I saw people saying it was terrible. I thought that was nuts. This was not a terrible match, okay? I've seen lots of matches that get praised that are several thousand times worse than this was. This was a perfectly acceptable match, and parts of it I actually thought were pretty good. But the problem is they don't have any idea what to do with any of these women. Any of them. And I don't know if it is... um, that the writing is that bad or if there's people that have the wrong allies or if they are just trapped in the mindset that you, that this is not a different thing because it is a different thing. I think one of the, 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 the sort of failed, and you could look at this two different ways, I suppose, but it, I think for the time being, at least you have to present this sort of like the cruiser rates were presented in WCW, right? You have to present this as something that is, um, fresh and unique and different women actually wrestling and doing a good job and getting time and being treated as people that actually have value as athletes and in-ring performers. That is a novelty at this point. It doesn't mean it should be a novelty long-term, but at that point, at this point, that's what it is to clutter with all this other horseshit is not only, not only does it ensure that this stuff isn't going to get over, but it also puts them in a position where you have the situation they have with Becky Lynch where we don't know what the hell's going on. You have the situation where you do get team bad as a knockoff of an, another act on the roster, presumably just because, you know, uh, 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 of their ethnicity. I, and I think that's, let's be honest, I think that's a huge reason why they're given that gimmick. Yeah. Um, they don't have any clue what they're doing. And I'm scared to death, and I I'm, I'm, swear to God I'm not saying this to be funny. I am scared to death that the end game of this is going to be like Becky Lynch ending up seducing Ric Flair or vice versa and Charlotte catching them and some like God awful, like a uh, Russo esque uh, dramatic thing. I, I really think there is potential for something that awful 
to be oh, the end Lord. game for the stuff with Becky. I think I think there is potential for that. Back. Yes, I will go out on a limb and say. I don't think anything like that will happen, but for a company that only 10 years ago, we were seeing Al Wilson get involved and, you know, they've done stuff like this before with the fictional fathers and whatnot. So why not have it done with Ric Flair, the womanizer? Uh, if there was one thing that was going to take him away from his daughter, <laughs> it'd be, you know, getting a woman inside a room. But to be honest too, I mean, Dylan, you're absolutely right. They have no idea what to do with any of the women. Um, but they also have nothing. They have no idea what to do with most of the men either. Like this isn't a no, divas division that's, versus that's the rest. True. Yeah, it, that's, that's it's not. True, an issue. I, I, what, what I would say though is the fact that they need to be presenting this as something that is. And again, I hate the term novelty because it makes it sound like I'm dismissing it as something that shouldn't be a key part of the show. That's not what I mean. Right. But there's not. They're not presenting this as something that is unique and distinct. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're presenting it exactly the way that they do present the failed, shitty angles involving males. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, all of the things, I mean, Jeff said this earlier when he was talking about the screw job finishes, right? All of the things that, well, not all of them, but a big part of what distinguished the NXT shows with the women from what we see on the main roster is being wiped out or completely taken away. I mean, some of it is still there in a very loose sense of the term but we don't you know i mean how far are we into this thing with a lot of the same players and we don't have a single match that i can point to involving any of these people on the main roster that i would call very good we've had some that have been good solid decent but nothing that i would call very good meanwhile when i'm looking at my uh you know like my, my uh, voices of wrestling match of the year poll short list I've got uh, three or four NXT women's matches on that list. Mm-hmm. And possibly, it, it's very possible that number one and number two could be NXT women's matches. I mean, that's a huge distinction when you're talking about essentially the same players involved in both both brands. I, I want to, Jeff, go ahead and then we'll get to the, uh, the main event of the show here. The irony of Dylan's idea is that Charlotte would then end up with another brother named Reed, probably. So that would just make the internet <laughs> explode. Um, no. No, I mean, Dylan almost said to a word what I was going to say, but you know what? It's it's exactly it. These women are not going to get over by being entertaining. They're going to get over by being athletic and showing them, because they already have a higher hill to climb, with mainstream audiences just due to the fact of how they've been presented all these years on the main roster of being competent in-ring performers. Nobody gives a shit about your gimmick, about your stable, about, you know, making jokes out there, about, you know, even doing flair cheap shot memorial spots in order to pop a crowd because they're nostalgic for your dad outside the ring. They're, They're going to get behind you for doing good matches in the ring. And they blew this again by mixing them with the main roster women in, in some ways, but also just the way they handle everything. It's not about being entertaining. It's about being competent. And the competency is exactly what got the WCW cruiserweights over. They didn't work that main events lumbering style. 
you know, with with dumb storylines and whatnot. All of it took place in the ring. You had a major villain in Dean Malenko who had a badass kind of style in terms of grinding people down. You had various high flyers and whatnot who could work the the style with Dean Malenko. You had Jericho who was a who had his own type of personality in the ring, not just on the microphone. That that's what would get them over. And 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 it's. All's lost on this thing, in my opinion. Speaking of lost, Roman Reigns lost the main event. <laughs> to get nice, blunt, nice segue, Rob. To get You're blunt, a professional. To get bluntly to it, Roman Reigns lost. Sheamus is still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and more importantly, the WWE Linear Champion. So Sheamus walks out of Boston with uh, the most prestigious championships in the history of sports entertainment. Now. The match, I want to go around. Scale of one to ten. Not in ring, not any how did you enjoy this match? On a scale of one to ten, Jeff, where do you put this one? Can I put certain parts on a higher level than scale others? of one to ten overall presentation from bell to bell? <laughs> What'd you think of the match? Eight. Dylan. Uh I'll say nine. Yeah. I'm going to nine too. I thought both of these guys and you talk about a crowd who was coming in ready to boo Roman Reigns. Cause Oh, not only could he win, but also this is the cool thing to do now is boo is boo Roman Reigns. We don't care about Sheamus at all, but we're here to boo Roman Reigns a little bit or be indifferent at times, which this crowd certainly was by the end of it. They did what good wrestlers do. They did what Charlotte and page did in the proverbial death spot is get the crowd to care late. They did what Becky Lynch and Sasha did in the opener. They got the crowd who didn't necessarily care about the match to care late. They got the crowd into it. Roman Reigns and Sheamus certainly did that. They also did, you know, the big high spots that you would expect. I mean, Sheamus was battered and bruised. Roman Reigns, if he would just stop readjusting that vest, would look like a complete badass. And thankfully, he did that less during the post-match angle. Uh, I thought this match was excellent. But unlike just the match, the result comes... Uh, becomes important here too is the fact that yes Roman Reigns lost and then Jeff he went absolutely nuts he's now the lunatic fringe which is very fascinating in the juxtaposition of things um, he's a wild this, man he is a wild <laughs> Samoan <laughs> oh, wow nice pull um, you know this is my favorite Sheamus match bar none I can't stand Sheamus. I know you you two have much higher opinions of Sheamus than I do. Sheamus bores the piss out of me, to no, be honest with no, you. No, no, I, I like Sheamus. I like the idea of Sheamus, a big guy who has somewhat of a personality going in there and becoming a big deal. I like the idea of Sheamus. He was ruined for me at the WrestleMania when Triple H beat him. But I, as far as best Sheamus matches, while it's a short list, if you're not going to go into multi-man ladder matches, I thought the mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan match we had in our top 100, the two out of three falls was really good. Uh, okay. but, but yeah, this was maybe overall one of the only Seamus matches in history that I will go back and watch a rewatch at some point, especially if Roman's Roman becomes a huge thing. It might be, you know, historically significant to go back and watch one of these matches as one of Roman's big singles wins. Yeah. My only, my only problem with the match itself before the beatdown of triple H, I didn't like the fact that he was in the ring trying to climb the ladder when Seamus got the belt. I, you know I what? really, I, I really did. Like 
I, I know it, it's weird. You can, I can go both ways on it, but for me, I didn't like it. I, I liked him just being beat down to the point where he, he was so exhausted. Yeah. He couldn't get towards well, the ladder. I, I want... and, to, and to me, it kind of teased that he was going to come back. Uh -huh. And it was just another part of the disappointment in which something we're already going to be disappointed in, which is, which kind of, I, I don't know. It just, it just, it felt odd to me, but I mean, I can see where you go. Yes. But you see, he was fighting the entire time, he, struggling to get back in the ring and struggling to get up that ladder. Was, but I thought stay outside. Was, yes. He was fighting the entire time. But Dylan, I mean, the idea behind that closing sequence was Seamus being stunned that after two other men and himself were beating down Roman so big that Roman was still almost there to stop Seamus from getting the championship. And you had the visual of Roman never giving up, right? That's the idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's something you all, we, all, we rarely see in ladder matches, too. Usually, that, that is not the case. Somebody is clearly taken out. Yeah. You know, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That, that's the other thing I kind of liked about it. Um, I, I, I thought this was a great match. I am a huge Seamus fan as a worker. I mean, I think he's one of the yeah. most consistent workers of the last six, seven years. I completely agree that his character blows. It blew as a face. It was in the past. He's been good as a heel, but this current incarnation is not working. You know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, Sheamus is a guy. If he was having the exact same matches in PWG or Evolve, he'd be considered one of the top five wrestlers in the world. But the problem is his character is so awful, and on top of it, he's somebody who is seen as a machine pick. He's seen as an establishment pick, a guy that. Didn't work his way up the indies the way our favorites did. He, he was not an NXT guy the way a lot of our favorites are. And he just didn't do, you know, he was a, Triple H's weightlifting buddy. That's how he got where he's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that really, really hurts him because, you know, in the eyes of a lot of fans, I think that is an impossible hurdle to clear. And then when you add on that he's the guy that beat Daniel Bryan at 18 seconds in WrestleMania, I mean, look, he's got permanent die in a fire heat. Yeah, with a lot of the audience because of that, and it's funny as you're watching this match, and and you know I said this at the time on Twitter. This was one of those like as I was watching this, I was thinking these two guys are victims basically of Daniel Bryan's popularity. I'm not putting that on Daniel Bryan. The company's fucking dumb for not pushing him to the top spot. I think all three of us would agree that with that, but they are still paying for this, their perceived sin of being the other guy that was picked over Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And with certain people, that's never going to change. I will say, and I think this is really important, Sheamus is the big issue even more than Roman Reigns because when the crowd thought Roman Reigns had a chance to win, they were popping bigger than anything on the show other oh, than maybe that, that ladder match opening. Oh, yeah. At the end there, I mean, it was, it was outrageous how they big this him. crowd they had him, yeah. and, and, and what what, and then they took it away. Mm. And we could talk about the post match angle, as I know we're about to, but it is very unsurprising to me <laughs> that Roman Reigns had a great match, which he then subsequently lost the way he lost after seemingly getting the crowd to finally go with him in the end. Primarily because hint hint, shock of shock, he's an excellent worker, not a good one, an excellent one. And what happens? The rug is pulled out. He doesn't get the win. They give him his heat back, not so he can get another title shot, not so he can turn heel, in the, at least not in the traditional sense, 
not so that he could get a big rebound from, say, Brock Lesnar or even John Cena. No, because now he's wrestling the only person on the roster that really matters, Triple H. That, it is so unsurprising to me that when, it, when they finally do something right with Roman Reigns and they finally heat him up, the beneficiary is Triple H. That is completely unsurprising. It should surprise no one whatsoever. Yeah, just to go back on on the uh, on on the dying a fire heat. I mean, to make that they made that the opener of their biggest show when everybody was kind of looking at it as Daniel Bryan's coming out party at WrestleMania, and that that legacy is never going to die with with a nope. lot of people. But the first five minutes of this match is everything I want in a blood feud and everything that I think has been missing in a lot of feuds for WWE. It was a fight. It it was it was stiff. It was what WWE needs more of in their product, in my opinion. The talk smack, fake fight aspects of my old school Southern wrestling that I used to love. So, I mean, I I, 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 I was watching it going, my God, where, where did this come from? Who agented this? And 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 where are they tied up so we can free them? Um, it, you know, it's like that first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, and, and that's phenomenal, and then it goes into a Spielberg movie, which sucks. Um, you know, I... I <laughs> I, I I was like, where did this come from? And can I have more of it, please? That's what I want in these big time feuds. And and it was just great. I couldn't believe I was saying that about Seamus and uh, Roman. And, and especially, God, props to Seamus for taking another crazy bump through a ladder. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, that, well, that, that powerbomb bump when he it was did the nothing. short arm scissors. Yes. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, that was... These guys did beat the hell out of each other. They really did. On. This had the feel of a real fight, not like a yeah. choreographed fight with cool spots, like an the, actual fight. The minor thing yeah. of it, Roman, it, Roman back on the entrance ramp, just kind of nonchalantly throwing chairs at Sheamus while he was down. I thought that was great. That was a great touch. That's what people do in these types of bar fights. It reminded me a lot, actually, of the, of the Roman Reigns debut, really, at TLC a couple years back in the six-man. Uh, nice. brawl. I mean, it was very similar. That was kind of the Roman Reigns that we got tonight. Kind of an out-of-control brawler. You know, yes, he was obviously a heel then and a babyface here, but it was it was very similar in terms of the vibe. I thought it was a great performance from him. I, I do want to ask, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into the host seat here, Rob. Scooch over. Finally. But I have a question. I, oh, have, a, <laughs> I have a question because I think when we Think about this match when we look back historically. And even now, the biggest dispute about this match before you get to the post-match angle is going to be how great can a match really be if the crowd shits on most of it? At the end, they were there, but for at least two-thirds, if not three-quarters of this, the crowd was actively contemptuous of what yeah. was occurring. How does that – because to me – and maybe this is the old school tape trader of me watching things where the audio didn't work half the time. Or, you know, I don't know. But to me, a crowd can help a match, but it rarely hurts it for me. And in this case, it didn't hurt it at all because I, I, I expected this going in. Did this hurt the match at all for either one of you? And what is your sort of perspective on the idea that a crowd rebelling to this degree automatically sort of condemns a match or drags it down? Do you agree, disagree, in between? I'm just curious. I, I think I think crowds can hurt. I don't think they have to or always do. Um, I wasn't hurt in this match by the crowd reaction, and part of it might have been 
you know, I'm expecting the crowd to be lackadaisical in a Sheamus Roman Reigns match. So this is, you know, par for the course. Um, I wasn't hurt in this match. I think in some matches, yes, it can bring down the intensity level. Um, and it is up to the wrestlers too, to, uh, kind of shift their focus in a, in a match where the crowd may not be responding because if the, if the wrestlers lose energy, then yes, it becomes a situation where the crowd has hurt the match, but the wrestlers let it hurt the match. And I don't think Roman and Sheamus let the crowd hurt their match one bit. And then you get to the end of it and the end really tells the story. If the crowd is in it at the end, it doesn't matter what they were doing. They could have been doing the wave for the first 20 minutes. As long as they're there for every near fall in a ladder match at the end, they won, you know? So I, I wasn't hurt here. I think there have been instances where I've been watching wrestling and a crowd has hurt the match and a crowd has caused the wrestlers to then hurt the match, but it didn't hear for me. I, you know what? It did hurt it for me because I think I was coming from the point of view of somebody in that crowd where I kind of had my arms crossed going, all right, I don't like either of these guys. Impress me. And I started second guessing myself. When I, when I started hearing the CM Punk chants, the Daniel Bryan chants, the John Cena chants, I'm going, I'm enjoying this match more than I should, but am I right in this in some way? Because these guys are hating it, and I'm going, my God, this is a brutal fight. What are, what are they seeing that I'm not right now? I, I and, want... and on a rewatch, uh -huh. I, think, I think we're going to end up downgrading it because if, mm. if we ever rewatch this, we're going to end up downgrading it because of this audience, to be honest with you. It's going to be our new number one on the top 100 WWE Network <laughs> matches. <laughs> yeah, so we'll watch, it. we'll watch it in a year. But I wanted to, you know, something that, you know, uh, Dylan said just a little bit ago about Sheamus and the in-ring worker. And if he were to go to Evolve, he'd be one of the top indie guys considered. If you think that's a crazy statement out there, I give you example, Drew McIntyre, who is yep. Sheamus and has yep. gone to the Indies. And Jeff knows, Jeff knows this too, because he's been there for PWG shows where Drew McIntyre was on the card. He's seen indie Drew McIntyre. Drew's getting, uh, Drew Galloway, whatever he is now, he's getting yeah. rave reviews on the indie oh, scene. He was phenomenal at, at, at Bola this year. I mean, j j just jaw dropping, doing dives over the top, down to the floor stuff and stuff we never saw in WWE. And you're like, he's tall, big, has a presence, has a mean guy type of thing. And you go, how did they miss the boat on this guy? It's sad. I mean, you watched like that Mike Bailey match from from uh, from uh, Bo from Bola. Yeah. You know, and he's using his size right because mm -hmm. he is a legitimately really tall guy. WWE really never made much of that. And granted, he's not as tall there as he is in an indie setting, sure. But they had no clue what they have with this guy. I mean, he, that match was a brilliant match. That match is an excellent match. And it, it just goes to show you that a lot of these guys who we see on WWE television every week, and maybe they're having good matches, right? Maybe they, maybe they are impressing us to one degree or another. But if you, if you sort of untether them, and okay, maybe it's not – realistic to untether them to the degree that a PWG or Evolve or whoever would. But if you untether them a little bit, there is a ton that these guys are capable of doing far beyond what we're seeing every Monday night. I, yeah, I think, I think it's become a thing where it's like they become so enamored with height that you have all these tall guys that everybody's so big that they don't look as big when they're on there. But in person, I mean, he he towered over guys, and you're just like, my God, he's huge. Yeah, so we had Sheamus, of course, winning during the match. Rusev and Alberto Del Rio came out, and the three of them just destroyed Roman Reigns, so Roman Reigns couldn't end up 
uh, stopping Sheamus from getting the belt. So the question now remains, and maybe we'll never get an answer to any of it. Uh, the Usos and Dean Ambrose did not come out to help Roman Reigns in any way and fight off Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus. So what do we think is likely if it's ever explained? Was Dean Ambrose just getting super drunk, taking his portrait to put on the WWE headquarters wall for the Intercontinental Championship? Were the Usos too battered and bruised from their ladder match to come out and assist? Or was King Barrett just giving a symposium that the Ambrose and Usos wanted to be you know, watching backstage? Because we didn't have King, King Barrett here either. Like, do we expect any explanation for why there was no help for Roman Reigns? Or is, is it part of the story that there couldn't have been help because Roman had to fight all these guys by himself? Uh, it, it, it's the latter, and it's, and it's because that Barrett would have been one guy too many to beat down on Roman to seem believable, but but Roman's still a tough guy, and he probably told his friends, you stay back here because I'm a self-made man and I can do it on my own. It, you know, it, it's that kind of kind of thing. They're never going to explain it, ever. Well, the, the Usos, you can at least explain by saying they were in a brutal ladder match yep. earlier than that, right? Like, you can at least explain that with that. The Ambrose thing is really, there's no good explanation for that, especially because they did the backstage promo. Right? Although, like, although if you if you do if you do that thing that we that I referenced earlier with the tension for winning the match, it could add to that. That's the title. True. That's very yeah. true. That's why I think that's not out of the realm at all, Jeff. I think that's very possible that that's going to be uh, that's on the table at least for consideration. This is a really the the way things sh- sh- you know shook down at the end of this. I think is really interesting in the build. I'm actually going to be at the Royal Rumble this year. It's the first time I've ever been to a Rumble. And I'm actually, regardless of how lukewarm I kind of am on the WWE product, you know, although I did enjoy this show uh, as a whole uh, pretty easily. I thought it was a very good show, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty, being generally lukewarm on the product, I'm actually pretty excited for the Rumble because I really don't know what the hell they're going to do as far as a winner or loser that match goes? Chaos and and, and yeah, I mean it it's really chaos. Is, we don't know what's going to happen for the Royal Rumble match. We don't know what Brock Lesnar's doing. We don't know the direction for WrestleMania. It, it is pure chaos it, going into the Rumble. And I actually, I don't believe this will happen. But there is a you know that sort of anything is possible vibe does give at least make it possible. <laughs> that we will see something completely bizarre occur, you know? And I, and, 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 you know, I don't want bizarre for the sake of bizarre, but if it happens to be somebody getting a chance that maybe they weren't going to get in another scenario, I'm all for that. The the rains, the way the rain stuff is breaking down, I think is going to be really interesting too, because I've long been a, you know, a, uh, an advocate of the political hit theory on Roman Reigns. I don't think he was ever supposed to get over as a top baby face. Certainly not in the in the John Cena sense of that term. That we would be probably the most recognizable way to identify a top WWE babyface in the modern era. I think that there's been people working against that all along. Either that, or it's incompetent booking far beyond even what we generally accept from the WWE because they've done literally the exact opposite of what you would do if you'd be trying to get over a new star at that level in his position. But they did do this angle tonight, so I think. The post-match angle with the attack on Triple H, uh, and Rob, I'll let you run down the details of that if you want to run down the more detail. But I, I, to me, that is going—it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because 
I do believe the only reason that Reigns was put over as strong as he was is because he's going into the program with Triple H. Yeah. 100% believe that. Yeah, Roman Reigns. But Ro- the question is, can it carry over? Can it carry over post-Triple H? Or will Triple H kill him right. like he has done so many others? That's yeah. the question. Obviously, the surprise is going to be the lights go out and Kyle O'Reilly's in the ring when they come back up. <laughs> no. False. Spoiler alert, Jeff, by the way. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But, okay, so Roman Reigns. We had the big angle tonight where after the match, Roman Reigns was done giving a shit. He completely destroyed Triple H. Triple H left that building in a stretcher for the live crowd, which I'm sure they will show on Raw tomorrow night. Maybe he showed on a post show on WWE Network. I'm not sure. They were too busy hyping up a two-week-old interview with HBK on Steve Austin's show. Uh, Roman Reigns didn't cry, which is what he's been doing after losing big matches. Finally, didn't cry, went crazy, did as the fans wanted. The fans wanted someone to finally, you know, break down Triple H. And you're absolutely right, Dylan. And I tweeted this a week ago because in our prediction show last week, trying to figure out what they were going to do with the Roman Reigns, I just had to open my mind a little bit. We have to open our mind to the fact that Roman Reigns, all the talk has been, how are they going to get this guy over in a title match at WrestleMania? He's out of the title picture now. This match that they're going to build with Triple H isn't going to be for any title shot, I don't think. He is out of the title picture for WrestleMania. We might have Sheamus in the title match. We might have Brock Lesnar. I think we're going to get Brock Lesnar and John Cena for all I know. But Roman Reigns is not going into WrestleMania in Dallas to be coronated as the next top star as far as a WWE title goes. He is going to go there to beat Triple H because Triple H, not John Cena, is the guy that you have to beat to become a name in WWE. Batista had to beat Triple H. You know, Kevin Owens beat John Cena earlier this year. Kevin Owens isn't a big name in WWE right now. Umaga beat John Cena, not a big name. John Cena isn't the gatekeeper. Triple H is. I and I don't I don't see how anyone could not see this now because Roman Reigns isn't going in there against John Cena at WrestleMania. He isn't going in there for a WWE title match. He's going in there to beat Triple H. Daniel Bryan to get his title match had to beat Triple H. Everyone goes it- through Triple H. You think it's going to last all the way to WrestleMania? You don't think they're going to blow that off at Triple Royal H is, Rumble? He's not going to wrestle at Royal Rumble. No, he's going to be in the Royal Rumble, and that'll be the last. That'll be the true last draw. Like we're, maybe they don't even let him in the Royal Rumble. You know? Oh, I, I'd be honest. I think it's possible he's not in the match. In fact, I think it's possible they do a suspension angle with him. Now it's not going to go. I mean, I, I think it's likely they do a suspension angle. With him. I don't think it's going to go all the way through the Rumble. He'll be suspended. But I expect him to miss a couple of Raws, maybe even out of this deal, which would be hilariously ill-advised, by the way. Yeah, because we're going to get... <laughs> getting him hot and if you, you can't, take him off TV. And if you think he's anything to ratings, you can't keep another guy off TV when you don't have John Cena and other names. Um, but yeah, we're going to see a suspension angle. We saw during the beatdown of Triple H before the final powerbomb spot, Roman Reigns yelled out to Michael Cole, I know I'm going to get fired. Yeah, we're going to see a 20-minute promo from Stephanie tomorrow, sneering and, yeah, you hurt my husband. Yeah, you were fired or suspended. Take some cheese for the rat. I I just want to know how deep it's going to go. Are they going to focus fully on Triple H and and Roman Reigns? Are they going to bring in Dean Ambrose and the Usos back into this? Are they going to put Dean Ambrose in a five-on-one Intercontinental Championship match on Raw? (laughs) You know, League of Nations and Kevin Owens, where the League of Nations is only out there to make sure Dean Ambrose loses? I mean, something like that we could see for the next two weeks to keep Roman Reigns' storytelling in the show without having Roman Reigns. But I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's clear Roman Reigns right now is out of the championship picture. 
if he's going to be coronated at WrestleMania, it's going to be in defeating Triple H, and they have some other plan for the actual WWE title. Yes, I agree with that. I, I think there's very slim chance that Reigns is in the title match at WrestleMania. I, w- I wouldn't put it at zero, but I would say less than 10% at this point. And I just, I, I wonder, like, I'm... It was a crazy final segment. I mean, I was super entertained. I was glued to my set. It didn't end until 11 p.m. Eastern. Like, we were a little late starting the show for the live viewers on YouTube because, you know, this show ran to the very last second. Last week, or a couple of weeks ago at Survivor Series, the show ended about 25 minutes early, so we had plenty of time to get up here and and do everything. Uh, This one ended right at 11. They filled all three hours. The, The final segment of the show was probably my most entertaining thing. I mean, watching Roman Reigns go out there nuts, the crowd getting super behind him. Now, granted, we have to wait till Raw because crowds always get behind whoever is doing this ass kicking, right? It, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, uh, we could yeah. we could have had Fandango come out and destroy Triple H and they would have been super behind him. <laughs> uh, so it yeah, does it, matter the follow-up. Yeah, if this ends up being a funny promo afterwards from Roman or something smart alecky or clever, it's going to kill this. He, he shouldn't. He shouldn't talk at all. Shouldn't talk at all. I mean, Superman, yeah. Superman punched Stephanie. That's what, no, you can't do yeah. that. That's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, you can't brother, do that. My brother Dustin has said this, you know, and he's, he's not nearly the hardcore fan I am or that my younger brother Devin is. He's, he's, he's in the middle, but, you know, uh, between being like a super hardcore wrestling fan and sort of somebody on the periphery, right? But he said this a million times, and I'll give him credit for it because I think he's dead on. The gap between Roman Reigns' in-ring charisma and his charisma as a talker is monumental. It may be the biggest I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, nope. you, you, you do not want him to talk. But as an in-ring performer, he's, like, like ridiculously charismatic. I mean, in my view, he's a top-tier charismatic guy, which is why, even though the crowds hate him, they always seem to swing his way by the end of matches because – He's so charismatic in that particular role uh, it, when it comes it, to it, delivering stuff. Right. Well, and it that's shocked, how it, it yeah. shocked me how, how, how much the crowd turned around on Roman Reigns. They turned because this guy, he got over originally because he was never talking. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins were yep. talking. He was the yeah. one in the ring, and that's how you got to know him. A year of just beating dudes up and saying, believe that. I mean, this guy in the ring, yes, especially during brawls where, I mean, the closing segment to Raw was the same thing. I mean, Roman Reigns can go out there and you just get behind this guy because he's doing what you want him to do. When he's out there talking and telling us stories for 20 minutes, that's not what we want him to do. He was the strong, silent type. That's what they wanted. I, I want to I close out the poll. Kevin Owens' loss, punishment or no big deal? Uh, 17% said punishment, 83% no big deal. Uh, closing out that poll. Dylan Hales, where did the Goldberg rumors start? Um, there has been a variety of reading between the lines, uh, rumor mongering based on things that have been written elsewhere. And there's the usual drop into my DM comments on Twitter. I am still not convinced that Goldberg won't be, is not, uh, I don't want to say an inevitability, but a possibility for being in the WWE uh, before WrestleMania. I think it is still on the table. Uh, I really do think it, we might actually see that. And I think if, if we do see that, I think it's bad in the sense that uh, it's another spot that wouldn't be in the hands of a uh, younger talent. 
but it might be a necessary evil because if they're trying to fill up that stadium in Dallas, which is the narrative that we constantly hear, but it's also the reality we live in, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it with the roster they've got right now. And how, not because the talent's not there, but because they don't have stars. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's a possibility. Still do. Goldberg in WWE, maybe even for WrestleMania, maybe for the Royal Rumble. We will, uh, we will see because we need more guys. We got Rhino coming back. We got Roman Reigns in WWE. We got uh, Gold. We need more guys with spears. We got Charlotte doing the spear. <laughs> uh, we need the four spearsmen of WWE, um, and and that'll be it. We're going to NXT TakeOver London is coming up on Wednesday. Uh, We'll be back on YouTube with a live show at 5 p.m. Eastern or whenever the TakeOver special ends up uh, finishing up with Jeff and I. Uh, Dylan, anything that you wanted to mention about TakeOver London? Anything you're most importantly looking forward to? You know, I'll be honest, the match I'm most looking forward to is uh, Emma and Oscar. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be the best match on the show if they're given. Yeah, we, seven to twelve minutes. I don't think they even need any more than that to have a great match. We are we are um, three for like, three because that is certainly the match that I'm most looking forward to. That is the match that Jeff has said he's most looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to in the preview for Breaking Ground that we saw on WWE TLC tonight too. Is uh, Asuka hurts Dana Brooke in the ring while training. And they're giving yeah. some breaking ground depth to why Dana Brooke doesn't like Asuka. Oh, I just, I just love Asuka and Emma. I love it. I think it's great. And look, Emma, you know, we talk about the narrative a lot of times all over various places, podcasts, message boards, wrestling lists, et cetera. So it's who's overrated, who's underrated. Emma's like the most underrated person in that whole company, in my opinion. Uh, you know, to me, she's a excellent heel. She's got a great look. She works super hard. She's the yeah. best squash match wrestler on the roster, uh, mm-hmm. either roster, uh, you know. And I think she's, I think she's really gonna excel in that setting in front of that crowd. So I really, and uh, we know Oscar's gonna excel. I mean, that's a given. So uh, to to me, that has all the hallmarks of being, you know, sort of. I, I don't want to go match of the year, although you never know. It's an NXT Women's match. Yeah. I might get time, so there's a chance. You, you never, but you certainly I, never know. Show stealer. Yeah. Joe Steeler, I think. Now, Emma has this intensity in the ring where she looks like she wants to kill everybody. She just yes. wants, she wants to destroy. I mean, look at the Brooklyn four-way where she won because she knocked out Becky. She goes in there so intense that sometimes she can't control it because she's so crazy. I, I, I love the Emma Oscar match. I am looking so forward to it. I'm looking forward to the TV that they're going to tape that night that we'll see a week later, too, that's going to have... You know, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable in front of that audience, because apparently they're getting over super huge. I mean, almost bigger than Sami Zayn coming back on this NXT uh, takeover tour of the UK. So I'm looking forward to see what TV they tape. Um, Jeff, I mean, besides Asuka and Emma, because I think we're all in agreement, that's really the one thing we're looking forward to the most. I want to ask you about the title match, uh, because the next show we do, the next show we do, will be reacting to what happens with Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. Uh, who do you have winning that match? Balor. Interesting, Dylan. What do you I What think. do you think? Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. I think it will be Balor. I that will win, but I think Joe probably should win. Mm-hmm. That's my thinking that's my, as well. That's my takeaway. I uh, yeah, I think it will be Balor. Balor to me has lost a lot of steam. I was never as big a fan as him as as, as others. Full disclosure, although I don't hate him, 
as some will claim. Nope. But I just feel like he doesn't feel like the focal point of that promotion. You he, know, he, I, I get like a promotion, but brand, he just doesn't. He feels like he's been eclipsed by yes. a lot of people. I don't know. And that's not maybe even his fault. Not, it, not it's, his fault. It's kind of, not his it's fault. It's kind of the way it's shaken down. He is. They haven't really. They haven't given him a chance to talk. How's he supposed to oh. to improve his standing? No, I I tell you, the best promo he's probably cut in the entire time as NXT was the contract signing with Samoa Joe. No, I agree on, yeah. on that. But I mean, uh, but I mean, consistently, he hasn't been allowed to talk. That, all that's that true. Much. He's Bailey because Bailey's lost steam since winning the second match with Sasha Banks. I, you know, no, I, the focus I, on that division is Nia Jax, and the focus on that division is Asuka. She's lost steam, but not because of her character. She's lost steam because they've had to rebuild opponents for her. Oh, there, and, there, there's a difference. Yeah, there. and it's, it's the fact that, you know, really the story and the money was in the chase with both of these guys, with Finn Balor and Bailey, because they won their belts, and then immediately once Finn Balor won the belt, he lost steam to me, and Bailey lost steam as well after the second match with Sasha Banks, and it's not either of their faults. It's just, what story are you telling now? And I'm going to go, I'm, I'm having Samoa Joe winning the championship. I think that's what should happen. I think that's what will happen, uh, especially if Finn Balor is going to be in the Royal Rumble, as people are grumbling right now, which may not be the case either. But uh, if you're going to bring someone up for the Royal Rumble, which they've done the last couple of years from NXT, it could very well be Finn Balor, um, especially in Orlando, Florida, where there's going to be a good portion of the crowd that's really going to go crazy for Finn Balor. Uh, I expect him to drop the title here, maybe have one more rematch with Samoa Joe, and lose it, and we move on to Sami Zayn coming back, or Apollo Crews, or Baron Corbin in the title picture. I'm going to go and say Samoa Joe wins the title on Wednesday. I'm oddly fascinated with the Dash Dawson versus Enzo and Cass match if they make it a serious kind of blood feud type of match, which I don't think they'll do. But if they did, it would be fascinating to me. I agree with that. I'm a huge Dash and Dawson fan. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, to me, if that goes like eight, eight, ten minutes as a fast-paced sort of knockdown, drag-out type brawl, I think it'd be absolutely perfect. I don't think it will, but right. that's how I would book it. You know? Mm-hmm. It, you know? And you don't have to do it with blood. You know, I mean, I, people are, oh, you can't do blood. You don't have to do blood. You can have the same vibe without blood if you book it smartly. I just want it to feel like a fight as opposed to a wrestling match. Yep. I, uh, I want to thank Dylan for coming on the show today. Uh, NXT TakeOver, we will be back on the same YouTube live stream, uh, voicesofwrestling.com slash YouTube on Wednesday. Uh, follow at Shake Them Ropes for show information. Uh, Dylan, anything you want to plug before we uh, close up shop? Uh, people can always check me out on Twitter at Dylan Waco. That's D-Y-L-A-N-W-A-C-O. Uh, I uh, will be doing uh, the We Don't Know Wrestling podcast oh, awards, oh. the 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 uh, year end awards this week. We're doing we're taping them this week. They won't be out, I think, until the week after. But I'll have fun doing that with Sam and Tanner, and as well as TJ Hawk and uh, our good buddy Frey, the infamous Frey. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I so, I heard more than enough in Twitter DMs and Slack about that podcast over the last week. Uh, to last to last me a lifetime. Um, but I want to thank you, Wrestling Culture, were, the were podcast. You, were, you, were you buried in that podcast? No, uh, oh. people people were. There was drama. I don't know. I wasn't a part of it. Um, uh, Wrestling Culture, the podcast as well <laughs> at Dylan Waco. Uh, if you if you heard our pitch earlier and want to donate to our show, Shake Them Ropes. If you want to make Jeff uncomfortable, 
Just know if you donate to our show, it is not going to pay my heating bill. It is not going to uh, pay for food. It is any proceeds are going to help the podcast grow and maybe get uh, Dylan a Skype machine that will work uh, in, in the future. But uh, yes, no, uh, we, voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. Uh, the PayPal link, if you want to donate to the show, can be found on the YouTube description or the iTunes description. Uh, Jeff, anything else for, uh, for tonight to the people? Now we've said enough. Looking forward to Wednesday. Come back for that. Come back for pie and cake and hot takes on Roman Reigns on Shake Them Ropes. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.